look, they're just playing into their hands. And, and you know what? They're about to get a religious experience. Upon the breakout, gold's going to make a new all-time high. Gold-backed ETFs in inflows of over $5 billion. $0.8 trillion gold market. Why are we the only guys to see all this <laughs> Welcome to Live from the Vault. My name is Shane Moran and I'll be your host for this episode. And as you can imagine, the Live from the Vault community is growing very fast and we thank you, thank you, thank you. And with that, there's a lot to talk about during this historic times. And with us is Andrew McGuire. He's in the house. We'll be talking gold. You're not going to want to miss any of this episode. So buckle up. And just before we get started, Please keep spreading the word about this channel by liking, by sharing, by subscribing, and click on that bell notification and the little alarm, the little bell there, if you want to be notified as these episodes go live. So you know, the more people who start to realize the difference between what Andrew McGuire affectionately calls the paper and silver casino and the actual one-to-one -one physical gold and silver markets, the better it is for everyone. And so with that, let's head over to the UK and talking gold with the one and only Andrew McGuire. Now, Andrew, on our last episode that we recorded into the heavy action right ahead of the BIS OPEX mark-to-market event, which you suggested that would mark the bottom of a pullback and provide the next rally point. And let's start off this episode by letting us know what you're seeing right now. Yeah, thanks, Shane. Uh, the first thing to note is the BIS OPEX Pex lows we drew attention to as the likely price bottom now look firmly in and and it's important to know that and given the current wholesale market action since then basically that which is being and this is the important part being driven by very strong Indian Asian and European buying physical buying that is uh, and premiums being paid over spot this event looks to have carved out a solid higher stair step in both gold and silver, much more so in gold. But we'll, we'll kind of go through that and explain that in a little while. But also the unwind of the over-the-counter unallocated gold contracts continue. This is an important thing. And we'll look at this in more detail. But, and we did warn, though, and remember, we're talking about short-term volatility here. Uh, it, you know, we've got the the forced associated um, uh, short term volatility. When we when when you end up closing one of those positions, what you're doing is you're buying back the dollar leg, you're selling your gold position uh, and, of course, related silver. Uh, and then basically. Um, so basically, at that point there, you're creating that volatility, although it's the good thing is, is what you're doing is removing this overhead supply. Um, so, and that's what's happening. We're in the process of draining overhead paper supply. Now, the second thing to note is the structural shift that is occurring as insiders have sneakily migrated their capping activities from the Basel III compliant COMEX into the still non-compliant LBMA over-the-counter market. Now, this has changed the game, but these same market-making actors hiding in the smoke and mirrors over-the-counter markets, they're equally forced to protect their long COMEX positions, which, being Basel III compliant, is forcing the COMEX to become a delivery market. 
something it was never designed to meet. Now, we've noticed along the way in the last few episodes how, um, how basically uh, the open interest has been falling uh, in the COMEX as positions have been squared. So the yeah. second thing to note, Shane, is the structural shift that is occurring as the insiders have sneakily migrated their capping activities from Basel III compliant COMEX, which is so important, into the still non-compliant LBMA over-the-counter market. So that's changed the game, but these same market-making actors hiding in the smoke and mirrors over-the-counter uh, markets are equally forced to protect their long COMEX positions, which being Basel III compliant is forcing the COMEX to become a delivery market, something it was never designed to be. So, you know, we've seen open interest falling. We've seen price rising into an open, in, in, into so three, three, 350,000 contracts of open interest that have from the peak reduced. We're also seeing the COMEX delivering more. And this is, in fact, this was foreshadowing what this, the, the fact that the COMEX, which people forgot that the US was going to be compliant, which it is. Now, footprints now clearly evidence this compliance dislocation has changed the way gold and also silver trades are actually being executed. And this more is more evident in gold, which I think is probably better to focus on that for now. Okay, Andrew, there seems to be a lot of confusion whether the Bank of England has caved in to the LBMA to exempt them from the Basel III compliance. Like, what the heck is going on with that? And what does this mean? Yes, Shane, let's deal with the mammoth in the room. This is, that is the mammoth in the room. The LBMA's continued frantic lobbying to escape NSFR regs at the end of last year. And if you remember the begging letter, we've been referring to this now for quite some time. Um, but you, everyone will by now have read the Reuters piece and I think Bloomberg also did a piece on it, but indicating that the Bank of England PRA uh, will provide some accommodation for the LBMA, as they put it, introducing what they termed, which is an, uh, an independent Precious Merkel permission. OK, gobbledygook, which would reduce the size of the required buffer, as they put it. Now, look, as onerous as this sounds, netting out the deliberately worded gobbledygook, this accommodation will be on the proviso, and this is an important bit, which they don't mention because they don't differentiate uh, paper gold from physical. What will have to happen is these banks will have to prove gold cleared amongst its members and their clients is backed by physical metal and that it does not sit on the balance sheet of the clearing members. Therefore, what that does is eliminate current counterparty risk associated with 100 to 1 leverage gold. So, look, bottom line, the accommodation will not free gold loans and leases from Basel III NSFR capital requirements. And these will have to be priced accordingly, which is just what we looked at last time. So in other words, deposit taking will factor in the 85% haircut unless it's backed one-to-one -one by physical gold. And we will look at that in a moment, but this PRA is so-called so accommodation is nothing more than short-term window dressing. And it will not halt the need to square off unallocated liabilities uh, uh, that are within 
five and a half months now of going to land on the balance sheet of these LBMA banks seeking exemption, which they have not got. Now, we see nothing to dislodge the unwind of paper gold positions, which is full on bullish for gold. And at a minimum, we see 2300 to 2500 gold by the end of the year, just based on simple, plain vanilla, uh, unallocated unwind. Now, also, our information gleaned from a very close contact at a first tier bank, and I mean the biggest, uh, this was on Friday, we had a conversation. It also indicates that the PRA is also demanding more reporting transparency. Now, that's not reported anywhere, but the banks have been warned into LPMCL clearing because these trades ultimately anchor the EFPs, the exchange for physical conduit between the COMEX and, of course, the uh, the over-the-counter market. So because the COMEX is compliant, as, as are the global markets, where all bullion banks, I say, are already compliant. So so really what we're saying, and look, this is a complicated subject, and I'm trying to keep it simple. But essentially, while the PRA has the discretion to amend Basel III voluntary compliance, um, and these last-minute accommodations clearly seek to rescue the LBMA from an exit of the four remaining LPMCL clearing banks. What this is, is evidence. This is evidence of this. And But any accommodations are severely constrained by the LBMA's, LBMA's interconnectivity with already compliant global physical markets, ultimately also forcing Loco London clearing to reflect a deliverable physical price. If not... It will be arbitraged. It is that simple. It is not hard to understand. So we already saw in that um, LBMA begging letter that they were threatening that these LPMCL banks would bail or really threatening to fracture the entire foreign exchange clearing of gold, which is obviously they don't want. Bank of England does not want that to occur. So really, all we're doing here is some very short-term accommodations that really don't affect anything. So from a high level, because loco London over-the-counter positions are not yet sufficiently compliant, very, very short-term, we have two things to observe, really. So those are the things that we are looking at. Um, so with NSFR standards not concurrently applied to local London trade, we still see the related over-the-counter 100 to 1 leverage longs and shorts still eligible to be recognised as physical. Therefore, it does extend the EFP game a little until the end of the year. But it's important to recognise that regardless of the PRA accommodations, which really only reassures that the Aurum Clearing Bank's process which is the four banks we're talking about, will be able to function from January, 20, from, from January 2020 to 22, LBMA-centric leases and loans will have to align with the global markets. So really, we're seeing this process, this window closing. Now, given this is the sector that has the leasing sector, that is historically in the swaps and the forwards, this is the sector that historically provided inside is the ability to add dilution, forcing the leasing swaps, loans and all these gold derivative positions to comply with high capital requirements still severely limits the ability to add unbacked, unhedged supply. Therefore, the unwind of unallocated gold contracts will continue to the end of the year, 
but will reduce grossly. But this is the important factor. Offsetting the LBMA stalling tactic, which is really all it was, and they did not get their way, during the six-month unwind process, any discrepancies between these same actors seeking to exit unallocated gold market exposure because they didn't get, a, uh, didn't get their way will result in a backwardated COMEX deliverable futures market. So, again, if you race to exit and you don't keep an eye on the deliverable side of this, it's going to be arbitraged in the new decompliant COMEX delivery market. This is the equation. And that's why gold has repeatedly been bought sub 1800. And this has now become a very careful balancing act. That's what we're saying as the house needs to protect deliverable COMEX inventories from being drained into a very strong premium driven Asian Indian. And really as of this last week, at least last week, in fact, at least one first-tier European bullion bank who view spot gold below 1800 as extremely viable, which is why they haven't been able to, no matter how fast they try and unwind, they've had to manage the backwardations in, in, uh, in, in the COMEX to not exceed. And in fact, the worst we saw was 70 cents. But for the most part, it's just a few cents, not enough to actually see it exposed. Now, that actually limits the amount of downside. Now, we saw evidence of this behavior last week. Uh, that was the anticipated dislocation of historically inverse correlated. Now, there's an inverse correlation between a rising dollar and GC, the futures contract. So you have an algo that is basically um, long one, short the other, inversely correlated, which since the BIS mark to market at, uh, bottoming event at 1775 on the 30th of June, Gold has overall risen with a rising dollar index. Hey, Andrew, gold rising with a stronger dollar. Isn't this unusual? Yes, Shane. What is clear is that this change in behavior has not been recognized by the spec hedge fund hot money sector, who continue to add knee-jerk, algo-driven, non-delivery GC and spot gold supply into every tick of a rising dollar index market. So... However, I mean, conversely, insiders continue to take the long side one-to-one -one against them. Now, these footprints are evidenced both in the uh, COMEX and the spot market, enabling insiders to use the fast-closing six-month window to unwind these unallocated gold positions at the specs expense as much as they can. And this change in behavior is structurally extremely bullish but very short term, these two forces clash. So we must be a little patient. And, and really, the pro, because this process, unwind process, is literally underway. All right, Andrew, can you help us with a timeline on this and what we can expect moving forward here? Shane, as overhead supply evaporates, ultimately all participants, including the BIS, will be on the long side of a gold price revaluation. We've talked about this before and we've given a lot of reasoning for it. But given competing central banks and sovereigns are also competing for this same physical goal to back their respective currencies, likely this unwind process will be completed probably one to two months before Basel III NSFR compliance is required in local London. So bottom line, while short term volatility is clearly evident, 
we'll still see a price rally extend into year end. And of course, we will seek to buy dips for our clients and upside breakout points as well, because there are some levels there where there's going to be a lot of short stops that need to be that once they're triggered, will really start to close some upside gaps here. And in the meantime, I think, you know, stackers, st hang on to your stack. Um, you know, obviously, if you're a trader and you're trading the, the markets, then yeah, you have to trade them the ranges. But, you know, really hang on to your core and medium term positions. I think you need to be long and strong into this historic rear view mirror event. Now, everything we see indicates that the BIS must move from controlling the paper markets to ultimately controlling the physical markets. And as paper gold dilution unwinds, that will undoubtedly result in, well, a higher gold price. So in the last episode, and I don't want to get too technical, but look, in the last episode, we drew attention to how GOFO rate inputs will have to reflect a more physical market. So under the covers, the real co-basis, which is physical scarcity we're talking about, accounting for the unwind of unallocated over-the-counter contracts, tells us a story of a mismatch between current prices and physical supply. And th this, this condition has historically resulted in physical rehypothecations of central bank lease and swap goals. But these are currently being unwound into Basel III NSFR standards. So as we move further into this closing Basel III window, this will bullishly influence the institutional and official trade. The PRA accommodations do not change these inputs. Look, leases and loans must reflect the risks laid upon the balance sheet of the lessor banks. The lessor being the lessor of, of, the, of the bullion. And that forces them to comply with the high capital requirements. So speculative, manipulation-centric, unallocated leasing it's just going to be far too expensive, risky. However, the legitimate dealer-producer refining leasing will have to continue, but it will simply have to reflect a higher cost of doing business. Now, pricing not only has to factor in this 85% haircut, but also the risk to the lessor that the, the risk the lessor takes on and puts on its books, then has to enter. Uh, into a hedging or ins insurance or hedging contracts. In other words, these loans and leases have to be backed by physical. And this is bullish for higher gold prices. It's going to involve higher prices. Now, given the basis and the co-basis are the primary inputs that determine gold and silver lease rates, unless the price of gold rises to reflect the real physical market supply demand fundamentals, any swapped or leased bullion still offered at 100 to 1 derived prices, it's just going to get sucked out. And this is going to force the lessor to buy back the bullion at a higher price to square up the transaction because there won't be an offer to sell it back to them. Now, one of two things will happen. Either the price of leased bullion will reflect increasingly undiluted, significantly higher real supply demand fundamentals incorporating this NSFR haircut or leasing will significantly reduce, reflecting the risk on the books of the lessor. Either way, by osmosis, the gold price will have to rise. Also, not to forget the larger picture and the whole reason that BIS, and we've been underscoring this point, getting away from all the, the, all, all the, all the minutiae, 
The reason the BIS has moved to change their price suppression stance is the protection of US dollar hegemony. This is not a club anymore. Russia and China are leading the charge of a multitude of smaller central banks to add bullion to back up their respective currencies. Now, this activity has forced the BIS to accelerate its bullion buying to compete. And the driver for this is to seek, as I say, to protect US dollar hegemony, which, look, let's not beat around the bush. This is under attack by Russia and China. We've been maintaining this now for quite some time. And while the US, Russia and China are flirting with a dangerous military war, just look at Taiwan's situation. Look at the... Look at the Black Sea. Look at the, the this is a dangerous situation. I don't think we've seen anything as bad as this since the Cuban crisis. And look, these let's not let's not forget the US views Russia and China openly as an enemy, a military enemy. But the battleground is actually US dollar hegemony. And the BIS recognizes that gold is the only weapon that can unseat the US dollar. And the only solution, other than an unthinkable nuclear war, is for the US to cash, settle, rehypothecated bullion loans and leases and move back to the US dollar with physical gold and to back this US dollar again. Uh, you need to back it. And this could be achieved, well, easily. By, uh, by converting the 8,133 tons of US Treasury held gold certificates valued at $40 an ounce to market. Now, look, the footprints are there to see. Insiders are building very large physical long positions and it would behove the BIS to secretly lock in, in addition, large spot long foreign exchange long gold positions before any such announcement. And if anyone thinks that insiders want to be naked short into this setup and they seek to join them, which we see these algos doing, they're playing their, look, they're just playing into their hands. And, and you know what? They're about to get a religious experience. All right, Andrew, a religious experience. Wow, well, silver looks to be underperforming gold right now. What are you seeing with silver? Shane, I know you love silver. Looking at silver, it's clear that insiders have also been taking advantage of this dollar SI inverted correlated algo. Just mindless, dollar up, silver down, lower. It's as simple as that. In fact, since the BIS <clears throat> options expired that we talked about last time uh, on the 30th of June, silver's been really underperforming gold as insiders knee-jerk sold uh, the silver futures contract and spot silver positions into this rising dollars, while the insiders, again, have been short covering unallocated spot silver contracts. And just as they look, let's face it, and we talked about this before, when you unwind the unallocated gold contracts under Basel III, although Basel III doesn't cover silver, it's joined at the hip. You can't have a divergent price. So actually, you have to then see the unwind of, uh, of unallocated silver as well. And we see silver as coiled to a structural, structural, technical, fundamental extreme, which will break out and close gaps and outperform gold. So look, over and above all of these physically driven bullish inputs, insiders who have at every quarter, and this is important because this is also part of the evidence we provided to the, uh, whistleblower, uh, to the CFTC, 
at the end of each quarter, at each half, and each year end, have moved their naked short swap positions off their books into their respective Cayman entities before rolling them back in two days later. Unreported. Look, this is... But doing this will not escape the resultant backward-dated global arbitrage catch-net opportunities, as these liabilities will roll back on their balance sheet as we move closer to Basel III. And this game has been going on for as many years as I can remember. We, we uncovered this uh, in 2008, 2009, how each of these banks have Cayman entities and how they roll their spot positions off so to, to hide their, to hide their uh, exposure, basically. So we're recording this episode on Wednesday. Um, very short term, we're noting really some quite bullish behaviour. So look, we've seen under the covers short covering. Now that was evident, much more evident in both GC and SI um, last week. Uh, and beginning to try and break out, um, which we've just seen gold and silver contained in a four week capped range. Everyone can know the range is simple. Um, but it's driven, this, this is, the reason it's breaking out of this cap range, it's driven by very strong Asian, Indian and, and really fresh first tier European bank buying. Um, and their interest in buying is in the low 1800s and any drop below silver on 26. And you notice that each time it does that, they end up coming back up. And so really to sum it up, last week evidenced the COMEX acting as a delivery market. With insiders carefully managing these backwardations, this action will ultimately force prices higher as insiders must avoid creating arbitrage opportunities into a backward-aided COMEX delivery market. The longer it takes to break out of a consolidation range, the bigger the move will be. And following the BIS OPEX mark-to-market event on the 30th of June, we see the stair step solidly in. Well, thank you, Andrew McGuire, Talking Gold. And there you have it. That's all we have for you today. Another fascinating episode of Live from the Vault. And be sure to help us spread the word about this channel by liking, sharing, and subscribing. And be sure to click on that bell notification if you'd like to be notified as these episodes go live. And in the comments section, go ahead and ask your question regarding the gold and silver markets. And hopefully, you'll hear it on an upcoming episode. So with that... We'll see you next time on Live from the Vault.